For BYU-Idaho Radio, I'm Celeste Simmons. I'm here today with Jessica Nelson, a historian with the Church History Department for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thank you so much for meeting with me today, Jessica. Hi, thanks for having me, Celeste. So thank you for being here today, and I'm excited to to tell these stories and, and to hear these stories from you. And the first question that I have is what role did black members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints play in the building up of the church at the very beginning? Can you kind of touch on a few stories there and and their role in the foundation of, of the church? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, one thing that's uh, very apparent from the history and digging into the sources is that um, we have had uh, black membership in the church um, almost since the very beginning. Um, a man by the name of Elijah Abel or sometimes Abel's, like there's a, an S at the end of his name sometimes in some of the in some of the materials, but most people refer to him as Elijah Abel. Elijah Abel joined the church in Ohio in the early 1830s. Um, he met a missionary there who talked to him about the restoration of primitive Christianity and he was really intrigued by that and he was baptized. Um, in Ohio in the early 1830s. And then from there, um, he became ordained to the priesthood and he served three missions for the church. And he was ordained to the Quorum of the Seventy, the third Quorum of Seventy, which at the time wasn't as much of a general authority position as it was um, kind of like a standing um, place in a missionary quorum um, is the best way to kind of understand it at the time. And so, yeah, he served three missions for the church, including one um, in his 70s. Um, he was living in Utah and went back to Ohio um, to serve a third mission. And um, when he returned, uh, he died just about two weeks later. And so um, we see through the span of his life, uh, he died in the early 1880s. Um, that uh, he was faithful uh, to the church. And that's what the sources, like when he died, um, the obituary and the kind of newspaper accounts commemorating him after his death uh, say that he died uh, in full faith of the church. You know, within the black diaspora, there were members waiting for things to move forward and progress. And so another one of those locations is in Jamaica, which is in the Caribbean. Um, it's a predominantly black nation there in in the Caribbean, uh, Jamaica, and there was a couple named Victor and Verna Nugent, and they joined the church in the early 1970s, before the priesthood announcement was made, and um, they were so excited about the gospel and knew that it was true, even though there were these restrictions in place, and um, and so yeah, they were kind of ready and waiting and willing. Um, to be active in the church um, prior to that announcement, and then, of course, helped build the church um, in the years that followed, especially after the, the priesthood announcement was made. Um, another great example is uh, in Brazil. There's a man by the name of Favacchio Martins, um, and uh, he was someone who worked um, with an organization in, to uh, secure... Um, the building permits and construction rights and such to build the, the temple in Sao Paulo. And so um, he was one of the people who helped um, the church have relationships with 
the right the right folks there and he was so excited about a temple being built even though he and his wife at the time would not have um, been able to go inside it and it's really hard to hear that that kind of story because um, you know we all know how much the temple means and um, you know this the ordinances that take place there and um, how sacred it is but also uh, you know what it means to uh, fully participate in the church is 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 going to the temple and and sealing being sealed with your family and or with your spouse and um, and so yeah they were working on the temple and, and doing all of that before even he would have been eligible to go in um, so uh, anyway all that is to say is that um, members black members have been in place and um, have cared about building up the church even prior to some of the major growth that it that came after that that priesthood announcement so they've they've always <laughs> they've always been there and always uh, been a part of it yeah those stories are super interesting thank you for sharing and it's inspiring to see the faith that they had and the patience um, and hope mm-hmm. that that they held out and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious to know um, a little bit about Joseph Smith and his role in this. So in my research, I read that in 1842, Joseph Smith wrote in his journal that slaves owned by members of the church should be brought into a free, quote, into a free country and set free, educate them and give them equal rights, end quote. Because as we know, the church began in 1830, but slavery was abolished uh, 35 years later in 1865. And it's known that Joseph Smith um, was an abolitionist. He was against slavery. What else do we know about Joseph Smith and his relationship with black members of the church? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, So yeah, Joseph Smith um, lived in America at a time that um, was really divided over uh, slavery and where it should be permitted, um, not only just because it, it was, you know, a kind of uh, horrific practice that a lot of people were opposed to on, on moral grounds, but it also um, impacted uh, labor and the way that, um, you know, even um, laborers, workmen of other races could get jobs. Joseph Smith, uh, and, you know, we can talk about what he said in 1842, but um, when he uh, decided to run for president in um, January of 1844, um, and he he devised a a presidential platform, um, gradual abolition of slavery was something that was written into his um, presidential campaign. And so one thing that he uh, stipulated in there is that uh, public lands, should be sold and the revenue created should be used to compensate um, people who were enslavers, right? And so people who um, had property tied up in, you know, human capital as their, as their slaves, that they should be compensated through these public lands Um, and that it should be done, but done gradually and not in a, in a way that would be too radical or that would um, uh, strip people of too, um, you know, it wouldn't be too financially destructive um, to do it that way. So um, that was what he, he stood for. Now that was Joseph Smith in 1844. And 
to that point, he had been through so much, um, uh, just personally with, uh, <laughs> attempts by, uh, people from Missouri to take him back to the state and try him for crimes in Missouri. And, um, I think just some of the persecution that he'd been through, um, made him more compassionate, um, toward people who were in want and need of liberty, because that was something that he was fighting so hard for, for himself and for the saints. Like I said, this persecution had, I think had made Joseph Smith uh, sympathetic to people in want of liberty. And one thing that he said in 1842, um, he was talking to Orson Hyde and he said, basically, you know, if, if, if they were, if people who were enslaved, if black people were put in any other position, if they were given the same rights and um, opportunities that you are, that they would, they would achieve the same thing. The only difference is, is that their, their spirit is in a body that is darker than yours. Um, and basically he turns the question around on Orson Hyde and basically said, you know, how would you feel if you were in that position? And, that conversation I think is pretty illuminating that Joseph Smith found a way to um, think about himself being in someone else's shoes. And, um, you know, he wanted um, Orson Hyde and the the people that he was with in in that conversation to think a little bit more critically about um, what it would be like to um, have been, born, you know, in, in a different circumstance, in a different setting and how, how they would feel about their, their liberty, um, if they were denied it based on something like skin color. So, no, I think there's, there's a way that that shows the kind of growth and development in Joseph Smith's thinking about, um, race as it relates to, um, you know, opportunity and, um, and standing in, in the United States, um, and so, yeah, he's, he is definitely um, someone who was more forward thinking, though at the time there were people who were certainly more progressive uh, than he was. It still demonstrates his own uh, personal growth in, in seeking understanding about that particular issue. And um, a really compelling story about Joseph Smith as it relates to uh, black members of the church is um, just about that that same time, uh, while living in Nauvoo, um, there was a, a woman and, and her family that came to Nauvoo, and uh, they were the James family. Her name was Elizabeth Manning James. So the Manning family um, comes to Nauvoo after having joined the church in Connecticut, and um, just their their trek to get to Nauvoo was so difficult because um, they got to a boat in Buffalo, New York. It was going to take them. Um, westward to Illinois and because of their race they were not allowed to continue and so they had to walk over 800 miles on foot across Indiana and Ohio to get to uh, Nauvoo in Illinois and um, along the way uh, you know they their feet got bloody because of their poor shoes or lack of shoes Um, and you know in her the recollections about her life Jane Manning James talks about um, praying and receiving uh, healing and blessing uh, a sick child along the way. Um, and she led her, led her family and got to Nauvoo. And um, according to accounts that were uh, um, created later, 
um, Joseph Smith had apparently asked her, so are, are you the leader of this little band? And she said, yes. And he said to someone else kind of sitting next to him or in the same room, I've never seen such faith. Um, and so she actually had close proximity to Joseph Smith and his family living in Nauvoo. She uh, lived in their home and worked for them for a time um, and um, eventually made her made, made her way west. Um, and she was one of the pioneers of 47. She arrived in Salt Lake Valley in, in um, 1847 after the first group had already come. But she lived um, until the early 20th century and um, was very uh, active in Relief Society, um, spoke up uh, in meetings. We have her, you know, recorded thoughts sometimes. She talked about one time sharing a um, like the essence of her patriarchal blessing in one of the meetings um, and uh, had paid tithing. We have records of that. And so um, all that is to say that she uh, was well known for her relationship with Joseph Smith and having been received um, into his family with love and kindness. And according to her accounts, Emma Smith had even asked um, if Jane Manning James would like to be sealed into their family as a child. And that was something that she, um, uh, she brought that request that to church leaders um, multiple times through the course of her life. And finally um, they sort of figured out a, a way to do it and they sealed um, her vicariously to Joseph Smith's family as a servitor, um, which isn't uh, according to her original request, but based on her, uh, recollections and, and what she stated um, she was loved enough by the Smith family to um, that so much so that Emma Smith wanted to have her adopted into their family and sealed to their family so um, that's just some of the ways that Joseph Smith had um, relationships with uh, members of the church who um, were of black uh, African descent and um yeah, I guess we could. Yeah, just leave it there. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you so much for, for sharing these stories. Sadly, that's all the time that we have for today. I want to hear everything about it. Um, but thank you so much for, for the stories that you shared, Jessica, and for all of this information. Um, and this is a great platform to share these stories and to commemorate the lives of the, the black members of the church and their legacy. So thank you so much for meeting with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me.